kind of do you react well to change? You're one of those people who loves change. I, I listened to Matt's talk during the week. Uh, no, no doubt, if you, if you missed it, you know, you can get it online and listen, listen again. It's not listen again to BBC, isn't it? Maybe it's a podcast or whatever we've got. And I, I noticed that, that Matt and John had a bit of a competition going on their titles. So again, I'm away for a week and World War III breaks out between these guys trying to get the best title for their preach. Well, I decided not to continue that competitive spirit this morning. I thought, no, I'm not going to lower myself to that mainly because I couldn't think of a good title. <laughs> and uh, in preparing this week, I realised that what I wanted to bring wasn't so much a, a preach from a passage of Scripture, although we are going to look at some together, but rather I wanted to prepare us for next week, prepare us for our guest service next Sunday. And there's, uh, there's much to consider, and we're going to look at some Scripture together to help us in a moment. But I want to look to some practical details that will, that will help us for next Sunday. Okay? Now tonight at the prayer meeting, we're going to meet for an hour and pray from 6 until 7. And so I want to encourage you, please try and be here this evening. So we're going to spend the whole time praying about next Sunday morning. Okay? Next Sunday is a, a key Sunday for us. I'll talk about that in a second. But we're going to spend this evening praying about it and asking God to break in, and asking God to be upon us next Sunday. So, between 6 and 7 this evening, back here in one of the smaller rooms, please come and join us. And uh, if you're a student, I think you've got student lunch today, or if you think you can get away with looking like a student, maybe, um, then that's at, whose house is that at? Your house, Jeff and Margot's house. Map's available, see these guys. Uh, So you can go to the student lunch and it will finish in time for you to be back here at 6 o'clock to pray. Won't it? Promise. Fantastic. That's good. Excellent. Well, next week, as John has already mentioned, is our Front Edge guest service. Front Edge is, uh, is really something the New Frontiers have been running for a few years now, and they're weekends where uh, local churches do things together in a particular region to have an evangelistic push. And what happens on the Saturday is there's training provided and uh, the the local base near us is in Bedford and that's happening next Saturday. I know many of you may already be going. You can still book in if you haven't booked in yet. It's a day's conference to encourage, to equip and uh, motivate you in evangelism and sharing your faith and things like that. So it's going to be a great day. And uh, as I say, our one's in Bedford next Saturday. And then on the Sunday, evangelists are sent into the churches that are part of it to preach the gospel, pray for the sick, and to hold a guest service. And that's what we're doing on the Sunday, next Sunday. Uh, John referred to the invitations that look something like this. Thank you very much. Uh, that have gone out in the newspapers this week, so that's just over 90,000 have been delivered this week. I want to encourage you to please do take what's left of these, and there are some left, and invite people this week. We're going to chuck them away after next Sunday, so I'd much rather use them up. There are some still left, so do take some. Oh, it's up there as well. It's clever, isn't it? And um, do invite people. So that this is on at our church next Sunday. Why don't you come? What's the worst thing they can say? No. Okay? Maybe they'll say, yes. 
But you won't know unless you ask them. So please do take some invitations. Invite people next Sunday. We've got Scott Taylor coming. Scott's a good friend of mine. He's an elder at uh, our church in Reading, a gifted evangelist, and he's used to hosting these sort of guest services. He's been preaching around a number of our churches now. And I'm thrilled we've got him here for next Sunday. It's going to be great. Have a great time. So I want to encourage you. Do make use of the invitations. Do invite people. Maybe they'll say, hey, I had one of those through my door already. You can say, well, here's another one. Why don't you come? Okay, invite people. Scott's going to be preaching the gospel. We're going to be praying for the sick. We're going to be trusting God to heal people next Sunday. We're going to be trusting God to save people next Sunday as well. Just to give you an idea... Front Edge Weekends have been running since 2004 and uh, I, don't think, I don't know if I've given you these stats before but just to give you an idea, um, just this year, okay, so I won't give you all the years before then but just this year uh, we've run Front Edge Weekends in Zimbabwe and that was with eight churches and 91 people responded to the gospel for the first time. We uh, ran a Front Edge Weekend in the north that was based in Leeds, that was 23 churches took part in that. 90 people responded to the gospel for the first time. Uh, we ran a front edge weekend this year in London with 52 churches. 170 people responded to the gospel for the first time. So actually there have been over a thousand people responding to Christ for the first time through these weekends. So our one is next weekend. So let's make the most of it, be praying about it, be inviting people to come. So it's going to be a key Sunday for us next Sunday. Our vision has always been to reach people for Christ, hasn't it? And we know that it's God who saves. We don't beat ourselves up about it, it's God who saves. But what we're doing is giving God something to work with. Saying, Lord, would you own this? Would you bless this? And uh, all, all we're doing in building the church, in fact, in building Jubilee, is giving God something to work with. And if we build right, then God can work with us. And God can grow us and add people to us. See, in God's creation order, healthy things grow, don't they? Healthy things grow and flourish. Healthy plants, even when I grow them, grow and bear fruit. Even when I attempt at growing a tomato plant, there is some fruit that comes from it. Don't look so surprised. It has worked. See, healthy plants, healthy plants grow, don't they? And they develop fruits. We expect that. Healthy children grow. You know, I don't have to sit down with Lydia and Kezia every week and say, listen, we need to talk about this. You need to grow, okay? You need to, you know, just get your legs, you need to grow, beat your arms, you know. You need need to grow. I need to work on growing. I don't have to do that. And if you're a parent, I doubt if you do that either. Healthy children grow. I've discovered they grow the most after you buy them new shoes or new clothes. And they suddenly have a growth spurt and they, they grow out of it. But how healthy kids grow, don't they? You don't need to persuade them it's a good idea. They just do it anyway. So kids grow and healthy plant, plants grow and, and bear fruits. We're talking of fruit in John chapter 15, just in case you thought we'd never get to the Bible. Jesus talks about fruit. So if you've got Bibles with you, why don't you turn with me to John chapter 15. 15. If you haven't got Bibles, then it should come up on the screen behind me as well. John chapter 15. We'll read the first few verses together. This is Jesus speaking. I am the, tr- I am the true vine, 
and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then, jumping to verse 8, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, healthy things grow and bear fruit. It's a creation principle. So if that's the case, then talking about the church, or maybe talking about our own Christian lives, then perhaps our focus needs to be not so much on growth, but on health. Because it's healthy things that grow. Our concentration needs to be on keeping things healthy. And that that applies to our lives personally and it applies to our lives together as well. Now, it seems almost every day on the news there's the latest thing, isn't there? Either to eat or not to eat, to remain healthy. Now, one week it's eat this sort of meat and next week it's, oh, don't eat that sort of meat, it's bad for you. Now, one week it's, you know, a glass of red wine can help you combating this disease and the next week it's, a, well, you can have that glass of wine for that disease but actually cause something else and make that worse. It just, you just don't seem to know where to turn with it. It's confusing, isn't it? Now, we know basically with our lives to, to keep healthy, as, as I try to do, as you can tell, no doubt. Look impressed, come on, look impressed. And... Um, and to do to remain healthy, we sort of eat well, eat healthily, and take exercise. They're, they're, they're the two basic things, aren't they? You can add some other things into there, like adequate rest and, and different things. But we know roughly how to stay healthy, don't we, as people. But I wonder, do we know with our spiritual lives how to stay healthy? Do you know with your spiritual life, your relationship with God, do you know how to remain healthy with that as well? Well, there's a number of things that we could say that would help us with that. Uh, for example, the Bible encourages us to love God, encourages us to love others. You know, we we summarise it sometimes as saying, loving God, loving one another, and loving those who don't know Jesus yet. You know, those things help us to stay healthy. See, loving God is our priority, isn't it, as Christians? Loving God is to be the top thing that we're going for in our lives, right number one, right at the top of the list. Loving God. Now that's not just singing songs on a Sunday morning, but that's our lifestyle, isn't it? Loving God and and honouring Him. And everything else follows on from that. That lifestyle of of honouring Him, of following Jesus. Jesus describes it like this. He describes it as remaining in the vine. It's the passage we read, isn't it? Jesus describes it as remaining in the vine, or perhaps remaining in Him. Jesus makes it really clear, doesn't he, in verse 4 of the the passage we read there in John chapter 15. Jesus makes it really clear we can't bear any fruit on our own. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus makes it really clear. We've got to remain in him. 
And whilst these sort of principles are true for us personally, then I want to suggest they're true for us as a church as well. And I feel that if we keep the church healthy, then God will grow. If we focus on health and keeping us and the church healthy, then God will grow it. Now we're building something for God to work with. And so yes, we do things to help us grow. Next weekend will be one of them. So it's not that we don't do that. But actually we need to to focus sometimes and mustn't miss the foundation of keeping things healthy. Because if we do that, God will bless it and we'll grow. So, how do we keep the church healthy? Well, here are a few real quick pointers and we're going to rush through these at some speed, I guess. Number one, keep loving God. (coughs) Keep loving God. Keep your focus on glorifying him. Jesus talks about remaining in him, remaining in the vine. Remain in Jesus and you will bear fruit. That's what Jesus says, fruit that will last. Now, who of you wants to bear fruit as a Christian? I mean, we just, you know, that's what we want to do, isn't it? Bear fruit as Christians. Well, remain in God. Remain in him. Keep your relationship with Jesus as a priority. Guard your heart. Tend your relationship with him. Because if you don't, then the likelihood is you'll, you'll go astray. Actually, we need to, to make sure that we're focusing on keeping our relationship with God healthy. Have you got that relationship with him? And that, that, that personal walk with him. I'm not just talking about coming on a Sunday morning, but it's good to do that. I'll talk about that in a second. But what's it like during the week? Have you got that relationship with him? What is it for you that helps you? Now, it could be a whole load of different things. It may be sticking a worship CD on in the car as you drive to work and, and worshipping Jesus. It may be sitting down at lunchtime and reading your Bible. It may be getting up early and spending time with, with, with God. It may be going out for a walk. It could be any one of those things or something else. The important thing isn't that you do one of those things. The important thing is you find what works for you and then do it and keep on doing it so that you remain in him. Remain in Jesus. Keep loving God. Keep on loving others, secondly. Jesus said, didn't he, that people would recognise us as his disciples by the way we, what? Love one another. It wasn't that Jesus would, that people would recognise us as Jesus' disciples by the fact of having a fish on the back of our car or, or, or how we dressed or that we went to church on a Sunday, but rather people would recognise us because we loved one another. So that help keep us healthy. That helps keep the church healthy. We love one another, care for one another, serve one another, prefer one another. And so the list goes on, doesn't it? Number three, keep on meeting together. The writer to the Hebrews puts it like this in Hebrews chapter 10, 25. He says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. See, meeting together is important. It helps keep us healthy as Christians. It helps keep the church healthy as well. I, I remember, this is some years ago, in a previous location, a church I was part of, there, there was a couple in the church that, that were friends of mine and uh, you know, they were active in the church and they were involved. They were, they were in a small group, I think, and they were part of the worship team and serving. And um, they decided that they wanted to move home. And they decided that they were going to move from one house to another house. And they said, look, listen, we've got busy jobs 
and um, it's going to take up a whole lot of time to, to move house. There's lots to do, boxes to pack and things to go through. So, so we're not going to come for a few weeks. And we're just going to focus on, on packing up our house and then moving and then unpacking the other end and getting things straight. And once we've done that, we'll, we'll be back. And, and that just rang alarm bells with me. I thought, this doesn't sound good. But I thought, well, you know, they, they seem like mature Christians. They, they're involved and well, they, I think they love God. And so the time came and they, they you know, got ready to, to move house and so they didn't come for a while. And they, I guess they packed their house up and moved and uh, just in the same, same town and, and then packed their house the other end, I guess, and got things straight. They never came back. And it wasn't that they were particularly, you know, it wasn't that they were evil people somehow. <laughs> they loved God, as far as I could tell. But they didn't take notice of what the writer of the Hebrews says. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Friends, some are in the habit of doing that. We need to make sure that we don't. I don't want any of you to fall into that category of these friends I had some years ago who just get out of the habit and then fall away. I don't know where they are with God now. Maybe they've come back to him and they're involved again. I, I don't know. I pray that they are. But at least for that long time afterwards, they weren't seen again, weren't involved and as far as I could tell, weren't going on with God. Let's, not make, let's make sure that's, none of, that's not us. Let's make sure we keep on meeting together. And fourthly, keep on reaching out. That helps keep us healthy as well. We sometimes put it as loving those who don't know Jesus yet. Let's make sure we keep on reaching out. You know, the church is just about the only organisation that exists for the benefit of its non-members. We're gathered here, yes, to encourage one another, but ultimately to reach out, to gather us together that we might go out and reach people with the gospel. Those of you who are gardeners will know that ponds get stagnant, don't they? If you've got a pond in your garden, it's very easy for it to get stagnant. And it's because water sort of comes into it and rain falls into it, but it has nowhere to go. And it just gets stagnant. But if as Christians we have lots coming into our lives from God and from one another, from being in the church, but don't have an outlet for that, then it's easy for us to get stagnant. And we need to make sure that we've got an outlet. We keep reaching out. We keep encouraging one another to reach out. Not set, get so focused on ourselves and uh, you know, start to navel gaze, as, it, as some people put it sometimes. That's not, that's not healthy. Let's care for one another, love one another, build one another up so that we might reach out. Now, I'm sure there are others too, but we don't have time to do many more. So, let's, let's move on. Matt talked last week about embracing change. If you were here, you would have heard that or maybe listened to it online. And as we grow, we're going to have to embrace change. For example, as we grow, we're going to have to embrace the change of not knowing everybody on a Sunday. Now, there are lots of people away today, but there are you know, a number of us here. And it's likely that you do not know everybody else that's here. Even if you come regularly, you probably don't know really well everybody else that's here. That is only going to increase as we grow. And that's when small groups become even 
more important. That's where your primary relationships are in the church, with your, with your cell group, with your small group. Because that's where you live life together, where you get to know one another. Not on a Sunday. Now, it's easy to get um, consumed, isn't it, by just maintaining the status quo. And we can get to a stage where we think as a church, oh, it's got sort of comfortable now. You know, there's a, there's a small crowd of us and it's, it's nice on a Sunday morning. Just, 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 that's about right. And enough people for it to sound good when we sing and there's a bit of a buzz around the place. Well, it's easy to get at that point. It's very easy to think, hey, we've made it. We can sit back now. We've got to where we want to be. We can just sort of take it easy. So we haven't got to where we want to be yet. There's a whole city out there of a quarter of a million people, the majority of whom do not know Jesus yet. We have not finished the task that God has given us. And that's before you start to think about other towns that are around us, or this nation, or indeed the nations that God calls us to. We have not finished. We cannot afford to get complacent or to get comfortable because God has got more for us. And it will be a change. It will be a change, but friends, we need to embrace that change. Be prepared for it. That's why I'm talking about it now. I want to prepare you for it. I don't want it to be a surprise. I want us to be prepared in our hearts so that as that change happens, we we, we know it's happening and we're prepared for it and we're ready for it and we can embrace it. Next week, next Sunday morning, there may well be lots of new people. In fact, I'm expecting there will be lots of new people. I'm praying for it. I trust you are as well. We're going to pray for it this evening from 6 to 7. Make sure you come and join us as we gather again. But I'm expecting there will be lots of new people. And we can react in one of two ways. We can either say, who are all these new people? What are they doing here? You know, I, I like things just as they are. You know, they're sitting in my seat. I always sit there. You know, who are they anyway? You know, I've just about got to know everybody's name and now all these new people turn up. What's going on? I'm not sure I want to get to know any new people because it's quite hard work, isn't it? And it's getting a bit too big and uncomfortable. Oh, this is just a drag. It's not like it used to be. You may say that. Or you might say, lots of new people. Hey, this is great. Lots of new people to get to know. Bring them in. Let's have some more. Now, I doubt whether any of you would wholeheartedly agree with the first statement. I'm sure you wouldn't. But there may be parts of it that you can relate to. Maybe parts of that you think, yeah, there's a little bit of me that made me feel a bit like that sometimes. Listen, growth means change. And most of us are not good with change. There are some crazy people who love it, but most of us embrace it because we have to rather than we necessarily want to. But growth will mean change. And if you're in that category, if you go along with change because you know, you, you know it's the thing to do rather than you, you know, just run at change for the sake of it, then you probably need to be convinced that change is required, is necessary, is important and is ultimately worthwhile. Listen, I want to underline this morning that what we are doing as a church is worthwhile. It really is. What we're doing is worthwhile. If people are coming to faith and growing more like Jesus, then what we're doing is worthwhile. If you're in the, I know change is necessary, but I'm not sure I always like it category, 
then I want to thank you seriously and sincerely for joining us on the journey of establishing and growing Jubilee. It's a journey, isn't it? And I know for many of you, you will have seen change already. There has been change. We began by meeting in my front room. Five or six of us the first couple of weeks. And we all knew one another. We were all involved in one another's lives. We had great intimacy, great relationships. We, we really knew what was going on in everybody else in the church because we were at that sort of size. But as we began to grow, many of us don't have that same level of friendship with all of those same people. And I realise that that's a cost. And it's a price that some of you have paid. And I want to honour you for paying it. Because you've embraced change. You've embraced what we're going for. I remember, it's a bit like I remember the morning, isn't it? I remember when we got excited if 20 people came. I remember when we got excited if 30 or even 40 people came. I remember what it was like on a Sunday morning when we hit 50. I could have got the party poppers out. Well, we got a 50, goodness. Well, some weeks now we're beginning to touch 100. Some weeks over that. That's a huge change. It's a huge change from where we've come from. And many of you have embraced that and gone with it. And I want to thank you for doing that and urge you to keep going because there will be more change ahead of us. And we need to embrace it and embrace what God is doing. And maybe it's been difficult for you because I recognise that things like that aren't always easy. But listen, it's worthwhile. It is so worthwhile. Being a Christian, being involved in a, in a local church is a journey. And we're moving along that journey. But with any journey, the scenery changes, doesn't it? And there are different parts of that journey. Think about going on a train journey. Think if you were going to go from here to, I don't know, to London, for example. Then as you go, as you sit on the train, you'd go through different uh, parts of the journey, wouldn't you? There'd be different scenery that you would see. And any journey, there's uphill bits and downhill bits. Some bits are hard work and others are a bit of an, an easier run. Well, just like it's like with a journey, it's like that with building a church. It's exactly the same with building a church. And right now, in this journey of building and establishing Jubilee, we've got some hills to climb. We've got some mountains that are ahead of us that we're going to need to go for. But listen, when we get to the top, the, the view is going to be incredible. Incredible. Imagine what it will be like to be part of a church where hundreds of lives have been touched by the gospel, where many have come to faith, where families have been restored, where whole communities have been impacted with the gospel. Wouldn't that be good? Imagine that view from that mountaintop. Imagine what it would be like when maybe some of our worship time is spent singing songs that aren't in English because there are so many people whose English is not their first language. And we're singing songs in other, other languages and from other cultures. Imagine where you listen to, to conversations over coffee and you couldn't understand what people are saying, not because they're speaking in tongues, but they're speaking in a different tongue and you don't understand it. Imagine what that would be like. That would be great, wouldn't it? Imagine that of you. 
Imagine what it would be like when there are people responding to Christ every single week. And some weeks it will be your friends that you brought with you. It will be your friend that you've been praying for for years. Who you finally persuaded to come to a guest service and it's them out the front receiving prayer and responding to Christ. Imagine what that would be like. Just a few weeks ago, since the summer, we had three weeks where someone gave their life to Christ every week. I was on such a high. I really was. It was so exciting. Because I believe it was a taste of what is to come. I honestly do. I believe God was giving giving us a taste of what church life could be like. And I believe will be like. It was so exciting to see people respond to Jesus and make decisions to follow him. Some people that were new to us, others that we've been praying for for a while. It was such a thrill. Imagine what the view will be like from that mountain when it's happening every week and it's your family members, your friends, your neighbours that are coming and responding to Jesus. Someone said to me, just a few, uh, I think during that time, they said, I've been a Christian for years, but I can't remember the last time I prayed with someone to receive Christ. Maybe that would apply to you too. Maybe for some of you this morning, maybe there's even someone here this morning, just following that word that I think Sue brought earlier. Maybe you need to respond to Christ this morning. Maybe you've been coming for a few weeks. Maybe you've been around Jubilee for a while, but you've never made that decision to personally follow Jesus. Maybe for you this morning, you can cross that line of faith and respond to him. There's an article in the Times yesterday uh, interviewing or talking about uh, a particular Catholic cardinal. And he was comparing uh, his church to, to many evangelical churches. And uh, it was a thrill to read it because he was talking about the importance of a personal decision for Christ. Not just about going to a church or it just being a done thing that you're, you're part of something, but the importance of personally deciding to follow Jesus. He was onto something. And friends, maybe there's someone here even this morning. You've been around for a while. You've been coming to things. You'd even think think of yourself as beginning to be part of the church. And that's great that you can feel that you belong. We love that. But if you've never made that personal decision to follow Jesus, maybe this morning is your time to cross that line of faith. And you too can know what it's like to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to, to, to rush on and to wrap up real quick. So, in, in the weeks and months ahead, there are some hills for us to climb. One of those hills would be mobilising everyone in the church to serve. For everyone to discover their spiritual gifts and how God has uniquely gifted them to contribute to the life of Jubilee. Another hill would be training new leaders. Now, we need to establish some new small groups and uh, bolster some other areas of church life. Well, we need to be welcoming newcomers really well, seeing them integrated into the life of the church. We want to have dynamic and relevant kids' work and youth work. We want to be running Alpha and Beta courses and other areas of outreach to to reach people with the gospel. All these things require leadership. That's a hill that is ahead of us. Training and releasing new leaders. Seeing people saved and added will be another hill. Ensuring that we're equipping one another to be evangelistic. Helping our small groups to make sure they look out. And running great events to invite people to. So we've got a journey ahead of us. 
You're going to need some strong boots. You need to get ready for the journey ahead. If you were going to climb Mount Everest, if you said to me this morning, I'm going to go out and I'm going to climb Mount Everest, you need to prepare. You wouldn't actually do it all in one go. You need to get fit to start with, wouldn't you? That would probably be a good idea. But even when you got to Mount Everest, when you get to, the, get to that area, you would spend two or three weeks just getting to base camp. Just getting to the very first stop to base camp. And when you get there, you would then spend two or three months acclimatising to the environment and getting ready for the next push forward. And then you'd move to advanced base camp. And when you get there, again, you would, you'd wait, you'd acclimatise your body before you'd make the next push forward. In fact, on Mount Everest, there are four or five camps that you'd make a stop at to get ready for the next push forward. So let your body acclimatise to the heights and what the environment is like before you'd get ready to make the push all the way to the summit. And those stops are important. They're vital, in fact, if you want to survive. If you want to get to the top in one piece, alive, and get down again, then those stops are important. Those camps are vital to your health. And I, I just felt, as I've been praying about the season of life that we're in as a church at the moment, that after our front edge guest service next weekend, we need to await in camp a bit before the next push forward. It's not that we'll stop completely, but I feel we need to acclimatise ourselves to the new reality, if you like, of what it's like being part of a slightly larger, growing church as we get ready to move forward for the next push. And so at this camp, there are a few things we'll be doing. One of them will be encouraging community and friendship as we continue to grow. That's important. We need to make sure that people are really well built in to a vibrant and exciting small group, living life together, being open with one another, looking to reach out individually and together. As well, be encouraging membership, encouraging getting involved and serving, getting ready to go for the next push, to the next camp, next level. Now, we've already got some plans and thoughts in place of what we want to go for next year, but before we get there, before we launch out for that next push, I want us to make sure we've got some things in place. To make sure we're acclimatised to, to where we are. So we'll be doing things like having parties, having fun together, trying to get to know one another more as we get ready for the next push forward. See, community life is an important value for us. It will be as we continue to grow. But it's an important value just right now as well. And I feel we've got this far we need to set up this camp. Soon it will be time to move forward again. Soon it will be time to push forward to the next camp. But just right now, after the uh, front edge weekend next weekend, I feel it's time to celebrate where we've got to, celebrate what God has done, and pray and prepare earnestly for the next phase. And as we do these things, it helps us to stay healthy. And it will help us to bear fruit. It helps us to stay focused on Jesus, the reason we're doing this, to see him glorified in the earth, and to see his glorious, wonderful bride, the church, become all she's meant to be. Amen? You with us? You with us?
Well, just before we finish, just a couple of just a couple of minutes, real quick, some practical things for next week. Okay, some practical things for next week. Next week could be quite a big Sunday for us. It's an important Sunday. It's a key Sunday. So there's some things that I'm going to ask us to do, all of us, in order for it to be a great morning and for it to work really well, okay? So number one, listen carefully to this. Listen very, very carefully to this bit. Please be here at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, okay? Please be here at 10 o'clock. Imagine you're inviting someone round to dinner. Jeff and Margot are inviting the students to dinner. This is great. I might try and qualify for that. If I look a bit more studenty, perhaps. Imagine you were inviting people around for dinner. You would probably make sure you were there in plenty of time. You would make sure you were prepared. Hopefully you'd get some food in. You'd be there at the time that you'd expect your guests to arrive. So when they rang the bell or knocked on the door, you could open it and welcome them warmly. Rather than for them to arrive to a house where no one is, the lights are off, the heating isn't on, and they're thinking, is anyone at home? If you were inviting people around for dinner, you'd make sure you were there, wouldn't you? Listen, we're inviting lots of people next Sunday. I want to urge us to make sure we are here for 10 o'clock so that we can be here to welcome visitors. Do you know what about visitors? And if you're a visitor this morning, this may apply to you even. Visitors get there early because they probably don't know where they're going, haven't been there before, so they, get, they leave early they, they, to, to prepare themselves. They, they get let there early to find a parking space, sort of find out where it is. And so they're likely to have arrived before half past ten. So we need to be here before that to welcome them. Adam and I went to London last Sunday and uh, we went to Christchurch in the afternoon, one of our churches in central London, meets in the west end of London. And we deliberately got there early to see what it would be like. So they meet at four o'clock. We walked in about oh, half three, wasn't it? Half three. The place was buzzing. There were lots of people around. We got welcomed really warmly. You, you felt like something was going to happen. Rather than, if you got here often half an hour before we would start, you, you'd sort of look around wondering if anybody was here. It made a real difference, didn't it? As we got there and it's like, you felt that something was going to happen. It was, this place was going to uh, you know, really take off and you, you were there for a reason. It made a real difference. Please, be here 10 o'clock next Sunday. Okay, is that okay for me to ask that? Please be here, set your alarms nice and early, 10 o'clock. Number two, ensure visitors are welcome really well. It's not just the welcome team who do that, it's all of us. We went to a, a, our a Jubilee Church in Enfield in the morning, last Sunday, and uh, we got welcome really well, didn't we? It was great, really nice. And uh, lots of people spoke to us. And it wasn't just the leaders, and the leaders came to speak to us, which was really gracious and loving of them, but it was just regular folk in the church saying, hi, I don't recognise you, are you new here? I'm so-and-so, who are you? And it made a real impact on us. Am I right? Is that right? It was great. So listen, next week, make sure we welcome people well. Be prepared to pray with people too. Be prepared for a busy morning. And just as we finish, really, real quick, someone said to me, how do I pray with someone to become a Christian? Well, that's a really good question. Maybe you haven't done that before. Maybe you haven't done it in a while. Well, John's going to lead uh, a ministry team next Sunday. Aren't you, John? That's good. Um, 
And so he may well call you forward to come and pray with someone. Well, here's some real quick tips. Firstly, ensure that guys pray with guys and girls with girls. Okay? And if you don't get that bit right, he may well ask you to move on to pray with someone else. Okay? So guys with guys, girls with girls. Nice and easy. If someone comes forward, ask them why they've responded. Don't assume anything. There could be a whole range of reasons. Maybe it's they want to become a Christian for the first time. Maybe it's a recommitment to Jesus. Maybe they just want to ask some more questions. Well, don't assume anything. Ask them. Introduce yourself. Find out their name and say, well, what have you responded for? How how can I serve you? How can we help? Uh, What what have you come forward for? Ask a question. And uh, if they're responding to get to know Jesus, then we're going to have numbers of these books available, the Why Jesus booklet. Use this. Okay, it's a great tool, great tool by Nicky Gumbel about responding to Jesus, becoming a Christian. There are a few things he says about responding to Christ, saying sorry for uh, sin, saying sorry for rebelling against God. Thank you, thanking Jesus for dying on the cross. And please, asking Jesus to come into your life. And there's a prayer in there that you can use with someone. And if you use that with someone, then you can read a line and get them to read it. Don't read the whole thing in one go, they won't remember it. But just read a line. You can say to them, well, it's great you got to that stage, why don't you pray this after me? So you say, dear Lord Jesus, and they say, dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. About time too. And they don't say that. Don't say that. And then you, and you can tell them, well, maybe take a few moments, just personally, quietly before God, to bring anything that's on your conscience to him. It could take a while, couldn't it? Could take yeah, okay, we'll, we'll move on. Um, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I think I'll bring my solicitor. I think you should. Okay, so this is a few words at a time, okay? It's a phrase at a time that's easy to repeat. Not the whole thing, just, just one sentence, one phrase at a time. You can pray that with them, you can then give them the book, they can take away and read it, and then make sure you fill out a feedback card with them. Friends, this is really important. We want to make sure we serve people really well who respond next week. So fill out a card and give it to John. Do not give it to anybody else. Don't even give it to me. Give it to John. And we're going to collate those and just make sure we follow people up well. Maybe some people want to do something like Alpha. Others we may need to pray with them again or just get, to, get together with them. We want to make sure we serve people well, don't we? So please fill out the card, all the details you can. Give it to John and we can make sure we do that well. Okay? Why don't we stand, and we're going to pray as we, as we finish. There's a few pointers there to help us next week. Let's pray as we close, shall we? We're going to pray this evening for next week, for next Sunday, so please join us from 6 to 7 this evening. We're going to worship God and we're going to pray for next Sunday. If this morning you're here and you know that for you, you need to cross that line of faith. For you, you need to respond to Jesus for the first time. Then in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that and for you an opportunity to respond to him maybe for the first time, to know what it is to put your trust in Jesus. I was telling you that so you're ready. Maybe you're here this morning. Let's pray, shall we? Let's close our eyes. Let's be before God. Father, we thank you that, Lord, in your creation, healthy things grow. 
So Lord, we pray that in our own lives as Christians, you would help us to remain healthy. Help us to keep you our focus. You our number one priority in our lives. Help us, Lord, to keep the church healthy. Keep listening to you and going for what you're calling us to go for. We do pray for next Sunday, Lord, that many would come. Many would hear, maybe for the first time, the wonderful news of your love for them. We pray we'd see people healed next Sunday. We pray, Lord, we'd see backsliders respond to you and come back to you. We, we pray, Lord, that we'd see people respond to you for the first time. We pray, Lord, that you would build your church. And Lord, as we give you something to work with, we pray that you'd work with it and build us next week. Lord, we do ask it for your glory. Please, Lord, be glorified amongst us, Lord. Be glorified in our own lives, in this church. Be made famous in this city and beyond, Lord. For your wonderful church, the Bride of Christ, might truly be built up and established in the earth. And Father, I pray now for, for any who know that they need to respond to you for the first time today. Father, I pray you'd give them courage to do that. Maybe even they've been around us for a while. But Lord, I pray that today will be the day of salvation. I pray that today will be the day that they cross the line of faith. And this is as we stand before God in his presence now. If that's you, I can I ask you to put your hand up just where you are and we can pray with you in a moment. Is there any of you? You put your hand up where you are and we can pray with you. And get ready for next week. <laughs> we can pray with you and help you. God's invitation is to you. It's personal. It's not just a generic come to me, but he knows you by name. He knows all about you. He loves you. He's for you. He's calling you by name, individually, saying, come to me now. Respond to me now. That's you. You can still respond this morning. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you, help you in your relationship with God. You come and see us afterwards or see myself or John or Matt or someone else that you know and trust. We can help you with that. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are for us. We thank you for your wonderful covenant of grace we celebrated earlier. We pray, Lord, that you go with us this week. We pray you be upon us, Lord Jesus, be in our lives, be in our conversations, in our thoughts, be glorified amongst us. We pray for next Sunday, Lord, that many would respond to you. We pray, Lord, build your church. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do stay for, for tea and coffee and refreshments. Don't feel you've got to rush off. We look forward to seeing you this evening at 6 and, tomorrow, and next Sunday at 10 o'clock. Okay? Nice and early, 10 o'clock next week.